0: I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us so much that Jesus died so that this word could become a reality in our lives. I step back now so the Spirit of God can minister freely to your people. Thank you for your presence that's in this place. Open up every heart. Open up every mind. And I declare in advance that our lives will never be the same after having heard the word of truth. And I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives in the powerful name of Jesus. And if you receive that prayer, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in this new series entitled Beyond Blessed. Everybody say Beyond Blessed. And the primary purpose of our series is to better understand kingdom principles of financial stewardship and the prosperity that you and I are entitled to when we apply our faith to these principles for our lives. And so our first lesson that we did two weeks ago was centered around should I tithe and what does tithing do? And that lesson, uh, we provided some biblical proof from the Old Testament and the New Testament that God's standard for giving is called tithe and offering. Everybody say tithe and offering. Our second lesson that we did on last week was called The Secret to Successful Stewardship. And one of the biggest secrets that we discovered on last week was that being a good steward means that we must be accountable. And so we learned last week to be a successful steward, there are four areas that we need to be accountable in. And so the first area that we needed to be accountable was spiritually. Everybody say spiritually. And being spiritually accountable is starting the stewardship process out with the understanding that God owns everything. And, uh, and that's where we have to start. God owns everything. That was the first uh, area of accountability. The second area of stewardship was financially. Everybody say financially. And being financially accountable as a steward is starting the stewardship process out with the understanding that you and I must return. Say return. We must return the first 10% of all of our increase and the giving of offerings to God's house. That's where God's word says it. And so then the third area of accountability when it comes to stewardship that we learned about is that being accountable, we need to be that systematically, say systematically systematically and this is when you and I understand that good stewardship can only be obtained when we utilize a system that will help us track every dollar and earned or spent so that now we can be accountable to God in what he gave us and how we use what he gave us and then finally the fourth area of accountability that we talked about is that we must be good stewards physically everybody say physically In other words, being physically accountable financially is when you and I use wisdom when we're making purchases for our lives. And then, watch this, we show care for the things that we purchased and we currently manage. Because many times the scripture says, if we're not faithful over little, then God will not promote us to more. Now this is going to help me introduce today's topic. So if you're taking notes this morning, my topic is wisdom for managing little or shortage. Hello. Yes. wisdom for managing little or shortage if you've lived any length of time in your life you've probably hit a season where you may not have had as much as you needed if that hit you before Jimmy, see just see your hand let me see your hand all right well that's pretty much everyone in the room so if you have your bibles i want you to find john chapter 6 verse 1 and then we're going to go over to proverbs chapter 11 verse 25 that was john chapter 6 verse 1 And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. Most of the principles that I'm going to give you today, and I'm going to call them wisdom keys. These wisdom keys on how to deal with shortage and lack are going to come out of this one story that we're going to read. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the story first. And then we're going to go back and we're going to extract the principles that Jesus used when he multiplied this many amount of fish. When I say many, I mean M-I-N-I, this small amount of fish to feed this large amount of people. So in John chapter 6, we're going to look in verse 1. I'm reading out of the King James Version. It says, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come to him. He said to Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to test or prove Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. And let me, let me just throw this out before we get started. Your problem, your shortage, or your lack may have caught you by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. So then verse 7 says, Philip answered and said, well, 200 penny of bread is not sufficient for them. For every one of them may take a little. And so one of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But he says, But what are they among so many? And typically, listen now, this is the mindset or attitude that many people have when they're facing a not enough situation. They said, Listen, what is this that I have among so many? In verse 10, Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in the number of how many? How many? 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. They didn't just get a bite. They took as much as they wanted. Amen. Amen. This was not like the lunch line at Wilma Hutchins when I grew up that you only got a little bit. It said that they got as much as they wanted, verse 12. And when they were full, he said to his disciples, now gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled how many baskets? Twelve baskets with the fragment of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. So I'm going to give you some wisdom keys this morning that will help you and I deal with lack or shortage. Because in one way or another, it's something that you'll experience. But most of us react or respond to lack or shortage in the wrong way. And so I'm going to show you the biblical way on how you deal with this. So here's wisdom key number one, if you're taking notes. Wisdom key number one, not giving should never be an option when it comes to lack or shortage. Not giving should never be an option. Everybody say, not giving giving. should never be an option. Come on, let's say that again. Say, not giving giving. should never be an option. Not giving should never be an option when it comes to shortage or lack. Watch verse 5. Verse 5, it says, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company come to him, he said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And so many times when we're faced with lack or limited resources, our first reaction is to not give. Our first reaction is to hold on to what we have. And in this, in this situation, we see that Jesus had a need, watch this, that was greater than his supply. And sometimes this happens in life. Sometimes in life we have needs that are more than what we have on hand. And sometimes it's because we may have made some bad choices. And then sometimes it's just because things in life have happened. You may have gotten laid off your job. And because they needed to restructure some things. So at the end of the day, it affected the company, but it greatly affected us. But either way, sometimes our need is greater than our supply. And our carnal mind thinking says, well, I already don't have enough. So why should I make the situation worse? By giving. Why should I make things worse? By releasing the little that I have. Now here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. If if you're visiting here for the first time, just write the the, the letters T-H-S, take-home statement. Here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. The only way out of an impossible situation is to rely on supernatural manifestation. I'm going to say that again. The only way out of an impossible situation is to rely on supernatural manifestation because our flesh doesn't see a way out. The only thing it knows is self-preservation. When it comes to struggling, listen, your flesh, when it can't see its way out, all it's thinking of, of is me, myself, and I. Hold on to what you have because you already don't have enough. But I love how God addresses these situations in Scripture because He shows us how to deal with lack and how to deal with shortage when they come. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 24, you can just write this down. I'm reading out of the King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the Message Translation. This is what it says. There is that scatters, but yet it increases. And there is that who withholds more than what is meat, but it tends to poverty. The next verse says, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall himself be watered. Now the message translation, I like it, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are also helped. When you're dealing with a time of shortage and lack, that's not the time to close your hand. That's not the time to to look at your situation and hold on to what you have, because the only way a farmer is going to get a harvest is if he puts some seed in the ground. And when you're facing lack or limited resources, that's not the time to close your hands. That's not the time to get negative. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not time to get negative. Amen. Because everyone in the Bible who had little and needed a miracle, listen to me now, God used the little that they had to initiate the miracle. I'm going to say that again. In the Bible, when people had little or limited resources, God used their limited resources to initiate the miracle that they needed. The widow woman in 1 Kings 17, you can just write that down. She had, watch this, just a little, enough to just eat and fix a a meal for her son and for her. And the Bible says she was going to eat that and die. But because she gave to the man of God first, the Bible says that what she had it lasted longer and longer. The couple who had a wedding that Jesus performed, his, you know, the first miracle that Jesus did was at a wedding. Well, they ran out of wine. Well, in that culture, you run out of wine, the party has to stop. Some of you all are familiar with that that whole custom. When the wine stops flowing, we got to get going. But Jesus used, watch this, the little that they had. He used the water pots that they had. He used the water that they had to initiate this miracle. Amen. And in this situation, in this story, they only had five loaves of bread and two fishes, watch this, to feed over 5,000 people because the Bible says it was 5,000 men plus there were women and children. And I love Luke 6.38 because it tells us how to deal with, when we are expecting, when we have little, but we are expecting much, there's something that you and I must do. He says, give, and then it shall be given to you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and what? And running over, shall it be given to you? So the first wisdom key that I want to give you today is when you're facing lack or shortage, not giving is not an option. Everybody say, not giving. Is not an option. Amen. Here's wisdom key number two. God has a solution to every problem even if we don't have one. I'm going to say that again. God has a solution to every problem even if we don't have one. Let's look again in verse 5. It says, when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Watch verse 6. And this he said to test him or to prove him. For he, Jesus himself, knew what he would do. In this scenario, Jesus asked Philip what he was going to do to feed all of these people. But watch this. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I don't care what problem you face in your life. You may not know what to do. But the God that you serve knows what he needs to do. Amen. And just because we don't know what to do doesn't mean God doesn't. And see, here's the thing. Some answers that we need from God are not on the surface. Amen. Some answers from God, you're going to have to seek God to get these answers. Listen, if all the answers that God had were on the surface, everybody would have the answers. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, ask and it shall be given. Here's the process now of getting more. Let's say you're in a situation of lack. You're in a situation of shortage. He says, ask and it shall be what? You say, well, pastor, I ask, I ask, I ask. Okay, good. What's the second step? Then he says what? Come on, class. See. So listen, if you have asked God... And you have not gotten the solution. If he has not downloaded into your spirit what you need to do, then don't just stay at the asking level. That's what most people do. They just ask, ask, and they keep on asking. Listen, the next step is, he says, listen, ask. But then he says, seek. Amen. If you lost your car keys and you asked God where they were and the spirit of God didn't reveal to you, you need to start looking. And if you had a very important meeting, you're not just going to look for two minutes and be like, well, I don't know where they are. You're going to look and you're going to look and you're going to look. And see, when you really need something from God, you can't just be a surface looker. You just can't be a a Internet looker. You got to be a book looker. You got to get in that. Well, you got to say, God, what? And you got to look and you got to seek. And then, listen, if you don't seek, then he says, knock. Then you got to start asking other people. Because you know what? We don't have all the answers. Amen. You know, I've always had this, 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 this saying about myself. If uh, I had a question about something and my pastor had the answer, I'm not going to pray and ask God. I'm going to call my pastor. Why should I call? Why? I mean, I can ask God. That's, that's wonderful. But if somebody already knows the answer to it, why not ask them? Knock and it shall be open unto you. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. They're going to put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. I love the way what it says. It says, but as it is written, eyes have not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. Watch this. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. Well, what are those things? Some of those things can be in all kind of forms. Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray. So some of these things that God has prepared for us are some of the things that we've asked him to give us. But it says, eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Watch verse 10. But God, watch this, has revealed them them what? Them things unto us. How? By his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. In other words, when you and I need an answer, when we need something from God, we have to seek God. And then watch this. When God does reveal it, it's not necessarily coming from the outside in. It's coming from the inside inside out we must change our mindset concerning the nine manifestations and some people call it the nine gifts of the spirit they're not nine gifts of the spirit that listen it's one gift it is called the holy spirit and he brings with him nine manifestations but those nine manifestations are not just for other people those nine manifestations are for you I can't tell you how many times I've needed something and God would just drop a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom on me and boom, he gave me something that nobody could give me. So wisdom key number two is that God has a solution to every problem even if we don't have one. And here's the thing. We have to learn how to extract the solutions to those problems from the Spirit of God. Everybody said years ago years ago and uh, we have new people so I get to tell this story as if nobody's ever heard it before but years ago I'm sitting in a business meeting and uh, we had a big problem with a customer and this problem was serious this customer did millions of dollars with us a year and they were about to drop our company and I'm sitting in this meeting. I'm a brand new rep for the company. I don't know what's going on. I don't even know our company system. I haven't even been to training yet. And there's, I'm sitting in a meeting and they're my customer. So now I'm getting ready to lose all this revenue from my area. Oh, no, the devil is alive. So I'm sitting in this meeting. And while they're all talking, I don't know what they're talking about. Because I haven't been here long enough. So I decided I'm not going to waste my time at this meeting. I might as well just pray in the spirit while I'm here. So I'll begin to pray in the spirit to myself. Do not do it out loud. They're going to kick you out of the meeting. (laughs) Don't do that. But inside, I started praying in tongues to myself. And as I was praying in tongues to to myself, the spirit of God revealed to me the problem. So I'm like, wow. So when we get in the car, because my, my, my boss and I, we rode in the car together. So... When we uh, when we got in the car, he says, "I said, uh, Gordon, I, I got a solution. I, I, God told me what the problem." He says, well, "What is the problem?" I said, "Well, the, the the zip code for this customer's account is coded wrong in our system, but we need to go back, and that's why all these packages are going in the wrong place because zip code's wrong." He says, "How do you know that?" I said, "God told me." So we get back to the office, The first thing he do, he go to his computer. And he looked it up and guess what? The zip code was wrong. So now I got him because he wants to know how I find that out. He comes to me and says, Evan, uh, the zip code is wrong. How did you know that? I told you. I said, God told me, Gordon. He said, well, how did God tell you? I said, well, I was speaking in tongues while we was in the meeting because I didn't know too much of what was going on. He said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, speaking in tongues. What's that? I said, well, you know, speaking in tongues is a language that God gives you when you get born again and when, he, you know, he gives his children. And he says, but I'm, I'm, I'm born again, but I, I don't do that. I said, well, well do you want to do it? I led my, my boss into speaking in tongues right there in my car. But here's my point. The nine manifestations that God wants to give us, they're more than just for other people. They're for us to help solve problems. Here's number three, wisdom key number three. Face every situation of lack with faith. Face every situation of lack with faith. Look at verse 9. He says, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two fishes. But what are they among so many? What are they among so many? What do you do when when what you have is not enough to solve your problem? What do you do when what you have in your hand is not enough to solve the issue that's in your life? What do you do? You must face the situation with faith. Touch a neighbor and say, you must face the situation with faith. Because faith is an attitude. Everybody say, faith is an attitude. Faith is an attitude. I love Daniel chapter 3. I'm reading out of the New King James version of the Bible. But in Daniel chapter 3, it talks about the three Hebrew boys. And what happened, this king came to them in verse 15. And he said, hey, listen, when you hear this music, you need to bow down and you need to worship the image that I put up. And he said, and if you do that, it's good. And then he goes on to say, but if you don't worship, you will immediately be cast into the fire. And then verse, verse 16 uh And then he says, and what God is going to deliver you out of my hands? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 16 said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us. Everybody say, that's a faith attitude right there. He said, listen, our God is able to deliver us. Our God is able to supply this need. But even if he don't, watch what he says. He says, but if he does not, Let it be known, O king, verse 18, that we do not serve your gods and nor will we worship the gold image which we of you have set up. Everybody say, that's a faith attitude right there. That's a faith attitude. And having a faith attitude is the challenge for most believers when they're faced with lack, financial shortage, or difficult situations. Because they face this, watch this, they face these situations with a negative mindset, with a negative attitude, with a negative mind. Uh, just, just your thinking is all wrong. And the reason why they never get any spiritual traction, everybody say spiritual traction. The reason why the average person doesn't get spiritual traction when it comes to dealing with issues like this is because the devil knows every time you're faced with a, with a situation, with a money challenge, your response is going to be negative. He already knows you're going to say, well, tithing don't work, so I don't even know why I'm doing that. I don't even know why I'm going to church. Why am I going to church? Why why do I even serve in the church? Why do I even go to church? Why do I even get involved in church? I mean, I know people in the world, they ain't tithing. They don't go to church. They don't pray. So why am I praying and I'm going to church and I'm giving? Why is that ain't working for me, but it's working for them? Well, first of all, why don't we just get this straight? Look at your neighbor and say, he's about to get it straight. Let's just get this straight. Let's be real and clear this up. First of all, the devil ain't going to mess with people that already belong to him. The reason these people in the world, they look like they're prospering. And see, it's deception because they're not really prospering because if they were prospering, if all these people in Hollywood are prospering, why would you fake like somebody beat you up? Come on, somebody. Why would you commit suicide while you on your 15th marriage? If, If money solves your problem, why do you still have some? The devil's not going to mess with people that's in the world because if he starts messing with them, they might turn around and start seeking God. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to leave them alone. But I mean, if you want to be real about it, you've only tithed two times anyway. Tithing don't work. Well, first of all, you've only tithed twice and that was last year in, in the year 2012. Come on now. Listen, if you haven't learned how to tithe, given that first for at least 90 days straight without missing, you're not a tither. You are an inconsistent tither. And the devil knows all he has to do to get you off your spiritual course is to jam you up. Amen. And here's the thing. If tithing doesn't work, then God is a liar. And if God is a liar, heaven ain't real. And if heaven ain't real, why are we here at church? But everybody say the devil is a lie though. The de- You know God is real. God is real. And so here's something, here's something I want you to think about. You can't retreat every time you are faced with a financial challenge in your life. You can't retreat. You can't go back. You can't go backwards. You can't go back to the world. You can't go back to slinging. Come on, you can't go back to paying or getting paid for services. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know who he's talking to. Be surprised! The thoughts that the devil will give you to make you go back to do what you used to do. All he's trying to do is get you off course. And let me tell you something. This is what. This is why Christians never get traction because he knows he's going to take you back and you're going to start thinking crazy like that. And you know what's interesting? People in the Bible thought like that too. Watch this. Malachi chapter three. I'm going to start at verse 10. I'm just going to kind of uh, summarize. But in Malachi 3, this is when he was talking about the tithe. He said, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. And then uh, he says he would open up the windows of heaven and pour outside a blessing. In verse 11, he says he will rebuke the divine for our sake. And then, uh, and then verse 12, God says, and the nations shall call you blessed. And then verse 13, watch what he says. This is the Lord talking. He says, your words have been stout against me. The word stout means harsh. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. And they said, wait a minute. What have we spoken so much against you, Lord? Verse 14. You have said, this is what people say when they get into difficult situations. You have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his commandments? You can't let yourself go back there. And when you are in difficult situations, you better watch it. Because what it really does is reveal where your heart really is. The reason why tithing and not tithing always becomes an issue when you get into a difficult time because you haven't made a quality decision that this is God's way and he's going to be blessed and I'm going to be blessed and I'm going to obey what he says. You got to make your mind up. You cannot allow your negative emotions to control your faith attitude. I'm going to say that again. You cannot allow your negative emotions to control your faith attitude. I love the way Hebrews 10.38 says it. It says it like this. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we're not of those, word of truth, who draw back unto perdition, but we're of those who believe to the saving of the soul. First Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So how do, watch this, how do you do that when you're facing shortage? How do you not be controlled by what you see? I have a solution for you. You have to change what you're looking at. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4. You have to change what you're looking at. That's the problem. You are staring at your problem so long, it has become your problem. Just And let me tell you something. Not opening the bill is not going to solve what's in it. Somebody did this week. You got a bill in the mail. You didn't know what it was. You just sat it on the counter. Didn't even open the bill. Didn't even try to figure out what was in it. You just sat it on the counter. Like, like somehow, some way, it's going to magically open itself up and you figure out what's in it. You have to change what you're looking at. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. While we look not at the things which are seen. We're not looking at our circumstances. But then it tells us what to look at. But it says, but look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, they're temporary. But the things that we cannot see are eternal. Now, and so here's the thing. You and I must not allow, watch this, our physical eyes to dominate our spiritual vision. I'm going to say that again. You and I must not allow our physical eyes, what we see, to dominate our spiritual vision, which is what we believe. So how do we look at the unseen things that are eternal if we can't see them? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. That's where walking by faith comes in. Everybody say, that's, why, that's where walking by faith comes in. Because, see, if faith, watch this now, comes by hearing and hearing by the word, then walking by the word is the same as walking by faith. I'm going to say that again. If walking by faith, how does faith come? It comes, watch this, by what? Hearing. And hearing what? Okay, so Pastor Che, I want you to stand and I don't want you to move till you hear me speak the word. Now watch this. He's faith right now. I'm in a situation. I'm seeing one thing, but I'm believing one thing. I need faith to walk through the situation. But watch this. Faith is not assigned or supposed to come because it only comes when it hears, hello, somebody. So if I'm in a situation and all I'm saying is, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I got in this. God, what am I going to do? Notice faith ain't moving. But when I begin to say, Well, God, you said you would supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You said I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. You said, God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Faith is coming. Faith is coming. Faith is coming. Faith is coming. Because the greater one lives on the inside. And faith ain't going to move till you call it. Oh, y'all didn't hear me on that. I said, faith ain't going to move until you call it. I might not be around that day. I might not know what you're going through. Bishop Jakes may not be on TV at that time but you gotta speak the word yourself and when you speak the word, faith has to come. When you're dealing with difficult situations, it is your responsibility as a believer to open up your mouth and begin to speak the word. And when you speak the word, faith will come in your life. And when faith comes, all things are possible to him that believes. Here's wisdom number key number four. As I close, I'm not finished. Wisdom key number four, organize what you have so that you know exactly what you need. I'm going to say that again. Organize what you have so you know exactly what you need. Look at verse 10. It says, and Jesus said, make them sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men that sat down was in the number of how many? How many? How many? How, I mean, how can God supply your need when you don't know how much you need? So many times we get overwhelmed without even knowing the facts. How can you have faith for what you don't know? Amen. Proverbs 27.3 says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Man, you got to know what's going on. That's why you have to have a budget. You have to have a budget because a budget helps you to see what you can believe for. It helps you see how much you have, and it helps you see how much you need. A budget is not a negative thing. It helps you see, okay, God, look, I have this much that I need at the end of the month. I'm going to believe you for that. Here's the last wisdom key real quick. I'm out of time. Wisdom key number five. You must be thankful for the little that you have. Look in verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given what class, come on class, when he had given what he given, listen, he already knew he didn't have enough from the beginning. And here it is, you are cursing the little you have because you are talking negative about it when God is saying, speak my word over it because when you speak my word, my word will multiply. Jesus took what he had, listen to me, listen to to me, church, he took the little that he had, even though he knew it wasn't enough, he didn't curse it, he thanked God for it. And that's some of y'all's problem. You're not even thankful for the little you might have. I'll say this and then I'll close right here. Giving thanks is proof. Giving thanks for the little We'll prove we will give thanks when we have much. I know you want more. But are you giving thanks for what you have? Lord, thank you. I may not have been able to pay all of my bills, but at least I paid most of them. God, thank you that my, my kid may not have been able to get in Harvard, but but they at least got into TCC. I don't walk in my doctor's office to see what what school he went to. I probably should, but I don't. (laughs) Church, let me tell you something. Because some of you are the devil's trying to jam you up. Y'all know what that means? He's trying to back you in a corner. He's trying to get you to sabotage your seed before you even sow it. Because he's trying to get you to think you can't afford to give it. Let me tell you something. What if your seed that you're sowing next week is already assigned by God to deliver you from a situation next year? So with every head bow, every head bow. How how do I apply what I heard today? What should be my DAP, my decision action point? Maybe you need to sow in the time, you make make a decision to sow in the time of financial famine. Maybe that's what you need to decide to do before church is out. Maybe you need to decide to stay in faith instead of being negative during challenging times. Maybe you need to find a budgetary system that will help you manage your budget. Maybe you need to make some budget cuts and to reduce some expenses because Some of this is under your control. Maybe you need to start being thankful for the little that you have. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the spirit of God. Thank you for him encouraging us today. I thank you that the word has fallen on good ground. Our hearts have received. And Father, we are a church of faith. That's the only way we got here. That's the only way we've traveled this road. We've done it by faith and we're not going to stop walking by faith now. And so I thank you for every heart, for every life, for every family, for every business, for every entrepreneur, for every person represented here. That this word, as they grab it, will change their lives in Jesus' name. With every head still about. here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not, I want to pray for you.